I'm Yahweh again. Thank you for the opportunity, the blessing that you give me to do this thing that you have me do. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me to be in your word, sharing your word, your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom to those that would hear and listen to what I'm saying, Father God, my words that you give to me to share with them. Thank you, Father, that they would hear and listen and go to your word and seek. Thank you, Father. So, good morning, early morning, and um, some things going through my mind, and, and this morning as I'm visiting with God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and visits quite regularly, actually, which I really enjoy a lot. Um, I'm going to visit this again. I mean, it almost sounds as if I'm harping on it, but I, I can't leave it be because it's, um, it's a regular thing that I see, and even within the body, um, and I find it to be unfortunate that there are so many people that are willing to dispel or set aside and pretty much ignore something that is primal as far as God is concerned. It was with him, it's always been him, it is him, within him, outside of him, and he gives and shares with us quite regularly, and we actually see its existence in the very first book that God ordinated of the Bible, and the second verse. And his spirit was on the deep. I'm going to go back there in a minute. Pardon me, let me give it to you. As is spoken in my King James Bible. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Empty, just there. And darkness was up on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So, like John tells us, about Jesus, the Word, the truth, the only begotten Son of God, was with God, in God, part of God, from God, is God, came and sacrificed himself for us as a sacrificial lamb, 
left the kingdom of heaven. And so many people are readily able to just dispel this as, oh, it's something God doesn't do anymore. It's something that we don't need anymore because we have all this arrogance, self-centeredness, technology that we thought of. Where do you think your knowledge and your wisdom and all these things come from to teach you how to put that together anyway? You think that's just something because you went to school, learned how to do it, or because you think that you're so smart? Yeah, it kind of rattles my cage a little, but it happens. It's out there and it's real. And some of these things I was just thinking of and going through my mindset as I was visiting with God and Spirit this morning, that we have a tendency to try to regulate, ordinate, and put things into a certain timeline that we figure out because we think that we have that ability and that it's something that we think that we do so well that we, with our finite minds and that conjuring, which is all it is, is that we think that we can do that with God's timeline and we can figure all these things out. And what I'm talking about is when Jesus talks about and Paul talks about the the falling away and we read about it partly in John and before the second coming of Jesus Christ as he promised he would. And before that takes place, it says that there will be a great falling away. And what that means is that there will be people that will just give up their so readily able to give up on their faith. And they do. They just give up. And they walk away. And I shared with you um, an acquaintance of one of my mentors, and he was sharing it. And I'm just, it, it flabbergasted me, actually, that, that this individual would have such an irreverence And he really took himself into a dark place or allowed himself to go there and took it upon himself to twist and pervert his position that he had and get up in front of the congregation and uh, make it an announcement as if he was getting ready to start the sermon. And I can only imagine that the sanctuary was probably... Not very sanctified that day. But he just made the announcement that he was going to give up and he couldn't do it anymore. And he was leaving. He just didn't have it in him anymore. And then walked out. A sanctuary. A shelter a place to be and it just it it's just it just it's coming to me here now that he had such 
little respect. So the definition of sanctuary is a sacred or holy place. And in particular where the altar, some churches don't have an altar to speak of. We, we do not. But one of the other portions of the definition of sanctuary is that it offers those that come a place of refuge, uh, asylum, if you will, from the outside world to get away from those things. And it offers people an immunity from everything that goes on in the world and life, and you can come and be and feel safe. Well, for me, and I'll share this straight out with you, that pastor, which he was, just uh, pretty much blew that all right out of the water when he took upon himself to stand in front of his congregation and say that he was leaving. These individuals that came to that house of God to praise and worship the God that they have faith and believe in and then they're going to have this person to stand right up there in front of them and tell us he can't do it anymore and and just and then walk away. For whatever reason he had and decided to do it, he basically is dumping that all over everyone. That's exactly what he did. So if you can imagine, I know this is going to get kind of, might be kind of graphic for some people, so don't listen. Um, that's as if he had just, all that crap and everything he had collected in, in the buckets, and then he just take it, took that, and just threw it all over everybody in the congregation. That's exactly what that was. And then walked out. So now they're totally baffled. They don't know what to do and, and they're confused and rightly so. But the place that they need to be is with God and pray. Pray for him. Pray for strength. Pray for guidance. Ask for it. God will give it. And that is, that's pretty much a very literal and graphic example of what apostasy is you just you give up and you walk away it doesn't have to be as poignant with a group of, of individuals or people that you go you just you can do it on your own but this this person really took it upon himself well no i take that back the devil guided him to do it the way he did because there is a point that Satan is trying to make, which is exactly what he does all the time, but he will take, twist, 
malign everything as he does, the gifts of God that are given. But remember that we're told that, that Jesus talks about the hirelings. What is a hireling? Well, that's he, this individual is a hireling shepherd. He isn't our good shepherd, but we come and we listen to the guidance because it's what we're, we should do. I mean, we have this place that we go to. It's our fold, if you will, being the sheep. And it's where we go and we hear the word of God. And these men, women are teaching. But remember what Jesus also says about them, that there are, they, they don't care. They don't really care about the flock. That's not saying that they're all that way, okay? But they don't, they're not going to be, they're not going to take it to the point that Jesus did. You understand? That Jesus gave his life. And will these hirelings leave the 99 to find the one? Honestly, I don't know. And to be perfectly honest with you, um, I'm not, I don't know about my own pastor. I, I love him and his wife. I love the fact that they don't uh, put themselves in an authority over people and that they don't uh, harp on the fact that they have their doctorate degree, which they do, both of them, but they don't harp on that. They don't make it a point to let everyone know. I mean, they're very good, and I believe that they preach the truth. But would he leave the 99 to earnestly search for the one? I don't know. I don't know. And I don't want to put him to the test for it because it's not my place. But that's not in any way, shape, or form negativity toward him at all. Don't misunderstand that. That's not what that is. But that's what Jesus talked about. Jesus taught us that. And he teaches us that now. That he did that very thing and would do that very thing because he is the good shepherd. And the hirelings that he has to help him, they might not have that in them. And they wouldn't have. That doesn't make them a bad person. It doesn't make them a bad pastor. It doesn't make them a bad shepherd. It just means that they would not. They just don't have it in them. It doesn't make them bad. So don't misunderstand, misinterpret, and change what I'm saying and make it into something that it's not. It's just a plain fact. And it is a truth that the individuals are not going to take it to the extreme or to the point that Jesus did as our good shepherd. And understand this and, and, 
and I think I understand this now because the Holy Spirit helped clarify this for me in my mind's eye. And I was having a little trouble with this scripture, but it's in Psalm 20, verse 7. And it's what um, David is talking. One of his poems, one of his many poems. And he's wrote this to God. Um, so I'm going to start in Psalm 20, verse 5. We will rejoice in thy salvation, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. So when you bring something to God, he hears you, he listens, and this is what he is. He's our good father. Now know that I, the Lord, saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. So in this poem that David is writing, God, it's it's the two-way conversation that is happening but what this is it basically it's it's a it's what Paul talks about walking in faith and not by sight and some will put their trust in chariots and horses because that's what they see and what they know and because um, David was a warrior king, a fighting king, as started when he went and he beat up that giant. Um, so their faith or their trust is in what they see and what they know. Now, what is that? That would be the horses and chariots because they know that they're there, they know that they're real, and they know that it's something that they can count on. That's kind of like um, similar to in the modern military. You have um, guys out there in the battlefield and and they would hope that their reinforcements might bring tanks. That'll show the baddies. Yeah, bring tanks. We got tanks. And in those days, the chariots were a number of horses that pulled the chariots and then you'd have the charioteer and then you'd have one or possibly two that rode with him that were armed, either with bow and arrow or spears and lances. And they would come to the trumpet call. They were the tanks, they were the reinforcements. They were coming at high speed. But here's the thing. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Trust not in those things that you see, but in what you don't see. You don't see God, but you 
have faith in God because God is there and he will answer and he does. That not always happen in your timing or when you think it should, but he does. And this is kind of ties in with with uh, this sharing that my mentor did with me here, then some things that I was pondering and pouring over. And things that we tend to try to do is we try to put things in a, we forget God's ordination of things. And what that means is that we cannot, in our simplistic thought process, which is basically what it is comparing to God because of our finite minds and God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our thoughts. And it's, we can't even fathom the peace that he presents to us and offers to us and the love. We don't understand it. And of course not because it's his. And he gifted it us. If you accept it readily with faith, why do you have to dissect it and pull it apart and try to figure it out? You don't, and you shouldn't. Because look around and see what we've done to this plane of existence and why we have what we have is because we've done it. And I go through this and I just, ah, my mind gets rattled sometimes. I'll go down and I'll be moving through the street and I watch people do this. And this is not, this is everyone. This is not just homeless individuals. And and I remember one, I, I actually verbally told the person, they're sitting right next to a trash can, right there. And I watch them just throw their trash and everything on the ground and this tray that had just been delivered to them from a church group but in, and stuffing her face. I mean, just, it was almost obnoxious to look at, but then just threw everything on the ground and that container and everything right there and might've had to get up and shuffle sideways and reach over with their arm and put it in the trash can. It was right there. And I just looked and I said, excuse me. I said, you have a garbage can that's less than three feet away from you. And you just throw that on the street that someone else has to come and pick up. And this individual just looked at me, shrugged his shoulders. And then just as if uh, sometimes you see a, a very small child, they just look at you and then they put whatever in their face and continue doing what they're doing. And they just look at you like, yeah, I heard you, but I'm not listening. They see the difference between hearing and listening. And they exemplify that when they act that way. So anyway, and then just shrug your shoulders and continue doing it. And then threw the next wrapper on the ground as if to tell me, which didn't need to be said and didn't say it verbally, but demonstrated the fact that I don't care. I don't care if somebody else comes and has to do this and pick up after me. All I care is that I'm sitting here stuffing my face. But these are choices that we make in what we do with this plane of existence that we're in and that we occupy. 
and that the choices that people make have done what's going on with this world. They choose to not care. We need to care about one another. We need to love one another. We need to be compassionate. And even, even this, this woman, as terrible as I thought what her actions were, she didn't understand. She had no guidance. And it could be all sorts of things. I don't know what got her to the point that she was at. So I can't judge her for that. I don't like what she was doing. And I didn't like what she was doing. But I can't judge her based on, I can't judge her life based on that. But that's quite readily what many people do. Even those that claim to be Christians, the label head and the self-proclaimed, that they have taken themselves into a higher plane of existence because I am a Christian. Um, so then what they do is they practice this judgmentalism. And I really liked what was shared on that Sunday about that and that, that term, I, judgmentalism. It's the practice of judgment. I'm not sure that it's a real word and she wasn't sure when she shared it, but it sounds like it is. And there are people that do that. I call it Phariseeism. Say, I'm not even sure that that's a real word either. But that's what you're doing. You're you're vaunting yourself up to a higher plane of authority that you really don't have. You just gave it to yourself. And it's as the Pharisees did with Jesus. They decided... They decided that because he didn't have their credentials, that he had to be a liar, blasphemer, a sorcerer, witchcraft, and all these things that many of them actually witnessed. They were there, physically there, and saw. But they dismissed it and said he was a sorcerer. And practicing witchcraft. Hypnotism. And just like that on the road, when they walked past that man that was on the ground, immediately made a judgment that he was unclean and that if they touched him and they helped him as they should have been doing because they were from the church, But you had the priests and the Levites walk around him and they wouldn't touch him because he would make them unclean. How do they know? Well, they're in their vaunted position of authority, they decided that. That somebody beat him up and that person was unclean, so it made him unclean, so now if they touch him, that they're going to be unclean. And they make everything absolutely ritualistic which is exactly what Jesus and the problem that Jesus had with religion. And I hear people use that term so readily, religion, religion, religion. And this is the problem that Jesus had with religion. 
They didn't worship God in truth and spirit. It was all about rituals and sanctity of their decisions. That's what's in religion and what many people try to do with God's ordinations of things. But in the sharing from my mentor, I was sitting here and going through some of these things and and as the material that he shared with me, um, and that process just goes through my head, but when, and he and I are roughly the same age, I think I'm a little bit older than he is, I think. I don't know what his birth year is, but anyway, we're, we're roughly about the same age. And just thinking about this, that at that time, the population of the earth, the entire planet was uh, roughly about 2 billion people. And numbers have just, in these years and these decades that have passed and coming to this, that on the planet now, there are over 8 billion people. I'm just trying to, wow. So, in, for myself, our, our position now, uh, roughly 65 years, that the population of the planet has increased by 6 billion people. 6 billion. And it's kind of hard to kind of wrap your head around that sort of thing. And, you know, just in the United States, a number was roughly, back in that time, was roughly the entire country. It was about 133 million people. And that now the population is nearly tripled. Population in the United States is roughly about 325 million. Used to be 133. And it's no wonder that everyone is pushing out into the wilds and moving out into places where the wild animals used to live and have the freedom to be and do, to be a bear, to be a lion, to be a mountain lion, to be these things. And then you have people going out there and building out in their sanctuary, what used to be their sanctuary, and now demanding that they be put down because you've infiltrated their home and now you demand that they need to be destroyed because they're rogue, because they're coming in and rummaging through the garbage that you leave outside and you don't consider. <laughs> and they're hungry because now they have no natural food source because you moved in and destroyed it. But now you have to change them. Or you have to have them put down, which is what many of the demands are anymore. Very sad. 
you know, and I used to, I used to live out there with them about two years, protecting and being around them. But when you look around and you see these things that are going on, there's so many people and they demand so much of one another. They don't, and I'm using this in a general sense, but you have to see and understand and relate that it's true. In so many cases, people are not wanting to exercise kindness and compassion and caring and helping because they're too busy taking care of themselves and what matters to them. And we have to understand and realize, and as he's sharing, is that we look around and we see that this population, this 8 billion people, we're not in good shape. We live disconnected from one another, although we have this technology that everyone seems to like to brag about that we can get information and get things at such a rapid pace. Yeah, sometimes. But, I mean, you can reach out and you can get things pretty readily and sometimes you have these companies you can buy and order things and you can have it within a 24 hour period of time in some cases. And then in some cases they can't do it because nobody wants to work. Eight billion people and yet you have these companies that thrive on provision and they can't even get it done because they can't get their products sorted. They can't get them delivered because you have many of that 8 billion people that just plain and simple don't want to work and don't work and won't work. And they just give up. And not because they worked for so many years and got to a point and they just either can't do it anymore, they just plain and simply won't do it and refuse. They don't even know what it's like to be in a workforce because they just have absolutely refused their entire lives or most of it. And as readily available as connection is to be with one another is that we live by or by the agenda of the devil and his minions as we live separated disconnected apart no interpersonal relationships i've shared this with you i've seen it i've watched i walk around and i pay attention to things i don't just close my mind and most of the time i'm going to share something with you and this is just yeah this is kind of a brag but when I'm out traveling around and moving around, my cell phone only comes out for a specific purpose that I'm looking for something specific or to connect or checking a, a time point or, a, 
you know, when the public transportation is supposed to be at a certain place and double checking on something, and that's it. I don't walk around with the headphones, and I see so many, it's, it's crazy. I see so many that are out there, and they have that cellular telephone is in their hand. They have it attached to their heads with, with headphones, or they have the wireless thing, but they've got that in, and they have no interpersonal connection with anyone around them. And they're walking down the street with their face right in that screen. They don't pay attention to traffic or might take a quick glance, and they walk through stop signs. They walk across red lights. They walk across boulevards and pay no attention to anyone around them and don't even acknowledge people that walk by them. And we have this technology. So we don't need the Holy Spirit. God doesn't give the Holy Spirit gifts like he used to because we don't need them anymore. We have technology. We have all this. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that you are placing your authority and what you know above that of the sovereign Lord God Almighty? No wonder. No wonder. And just like the Pharisees did and when they ultimately took him to the cross because they decided that he was a liar and they decided the rules and they forgot one thing. And just like he told <laughs> when they tried to demand that he stop doing what he was doing because they were going to hold him in contempt of the laws of Moses. And Jesus told him, he said, I am the law of Moses. Which is exactly truth. But these individuals vaunted themselves to be such a higher authority. And this is exactly what goes on now. Oh, we don't need the Holy Spirit. We don't need the gifts of God anymore because we are so technologically advanced that we can figure out everything except how to get along on this planet and that we continually war within one another. And the followers of Ishtar. Yeah. That is unfortunate. But I stay in prayer. I'm not going to be confrontational and all that. Because that judgment is not mine. And I won't take it. I pray. Because repentance is real. And it's true. And it's an offer that we should give freely. And it's a matter of choice. I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died for me, that he came for me, and he was crucified for me, that he is the only begotten son of God, and that the gifts of the spirit that God gives are real today as they were when his spirit was walking on the face of the deep. From that time to this time and beyond, the gifts of the Spirit are real. The Holy Spirit is real. They are a, it is a part of God that he shares with us. We just need to ask. But there's a, a list of countries that, that my mentor was sharing where all this separation is taking place in, in this, as connected as we like to claim to be by technology, we live in a disconnected world. And it's because of choice. We live in this age of disconnection with the connection.
We have it and its capabilities are real, but we choose to be disconnected. We have no interpersonal relationship with anyone because we choose to be connected. We choose to bury our face in this thing. And the prince of the air is really, really having a good time with this. Prince of the air, that's a term that was given to, of Satan. It's one of his pseudonyms because he could manipulate and create music and change the airwaves so that they could do what he wanted to do. And what is, what is, what is all this technology travel on? And what is it? It's called broadband. What is it? Can you see it? Do you see the wires attached to anything? No. And what do they call it? They call it Bluetooth wireless. You don't have to have your phone, your headphones connected to anything at all anymore at all and yet as connected as we like to claim to be we are disconnected and we see i had a sneeze coming <coughs> sorry <coughs> pardon me apologize for that but we see and hear and we read about all this that's going on with Russia and, and Ukraine. And what is that about? Because Russia claims that Ukraine is theirs and they want it. So what do they do? They go in and they blow people up. They blow up their schools. They blow up and kill children. They blow up and kill people. They have absolutely nothing to do with the military because they have power and because they're bullies and because they can do it. And that's pretty much the only reason that any country does that with their military is because they can. Sometimes you have individuals, and, and I believe when I went in the military that we were trying to do the right thing. Although the longer I stayed, I saw things that I didn't agree with. And I mean, that was my choice. And I, and I didn't. But here's the other thing, too, is that I would serve again and readily because I believe that it, unfortunately in this plane of existence that we're on, that it's a unnecessary evil. And I call it that because I would much rather see us work things out and be able to share with one another and have a peaceful and compatible life with one another and go through life in that way rather than how we do. It's an unfortunate thing. But we have to also pay attention to things that are going on. And you have many of these countries out there that are under control of cartels that are looking to, uh, they're just bullies. They have an easy way to do things and they offer things and they found a way to get and make money off of everyone else by proffering some kind of a, something that people don't really need, but they get them to believe that they do. And then once they hook them, then they are addicted and they keep offering it and selling it and they become quite powerful in doing that.
because the weakness of men and women. So you have those that will prey on others in these things, and they do. And you have persecution that comes against those who have faith and believe, predominantly by the communist countries that incidentally, many that don't realize it because they are indeed of that ilk and they claim to be socialists and that those are all, it's all different. Well, it's not different because if you remember in history, and I do, I was a kid, but it was used to be called the United Soviet Socialist Republic, USSR, communist, communist country. And you have uh, Venezuela started out socialist and it's communist, 100% through and through. And you look at many of these other countries that started out with socialism and it's supposed to be all good for everyone and we're going to share everything. And then it changed miraculously by the blink of an eye. It's all communist. Every single country and every nation that started out as socialist is communist. And it started that way in China. It started that way in Korea. And at one time when China was, um, you got to go back in history a little bit here, but, you know, China used to be our ally, and the, Russia used to be our ally when Germany was invading them and we were allied with the Russians and they allied with us. And back in that day, they were still socialists, just doing the right thing for everyone and the people and, and, the Germany was invading everybody and fighting with everybody and we allied with Russia and we allied with China and there was actually, and uh, a lot of people don't know this, but there were actually two surrenders by the Japanese during World War II and that um, there was an expeditionary force that was sent into China and they were became a little bit more than that and they were beating up Chinese taking them, basically putting them into slave labor, and the United States we helped fight against that. And then the Chinese decided that they're going to be following the socialist ideals, and preached all that. And everybody said, "Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Everything for everybody." And now they find out that that's not so much true. But anyway, we're not going to jump into the politics, but this is this is what I'm talking about that's happening in our in this plane of existence that we're on with all these people. We have all this separation and rather than all this being able to reach out and touch people and what we do with this technology that we actually have so much disconnection in an age of technology that we can be so connected, but yet we're so disconnected. We're so separated and so apart from everyone.
and that there is so much attack on everyone that has faith. Faith. And there's a, uh, he was sharing, but there's a, there's an organization or uh, it's called Lifeway and they have research teams and they, they pay attention to numbers and things that happen as relative to the church growth and things like that. And they've seen that religious faith in the world is actually growing faster than the other organizations and their claims and what they do. People are seeking, they're looking. This is why you need to seek the truth, seek his face, seek knowledge and seek wisdom. Don't just go out and something that sounds like it might be good. Here's the thing, God offers a guidebook, he offers the roadmap and he offers an instruction manual. Get in and seek the truth. Don't just go by hearsay. This is the same thing that I share with you all the time in this in the Word, and that people will sometimes they'll, they'll scan the Bible, and they go through and they they hear about God or they know about Jesus or they know about God. Well, that's fine and good. You know about them, you hear about them, and you have knowledge. You know that there's an existence, and you know about the Holy Spirit. But do you know God? Do you know Jesus? Do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you have any personal relationship? See, this is the thing that God desires from us is to have a personal relationship with us. And there's so many people for whatever reason, I don't, I'm not even sure I get that. Not even sure I get that. The brothers and sisters, the gospel of God in Jesus, the gospel. And I've shared this with you before, is that the gospel is not the separation from the Bible, which you have those theological wizards that decide that they know better than everybody else. So you have the separation of the Bible Old Testament, New Testament, and the Gospels. The Gospels are only about Jesus. Well, the word gospel simply means good news. For me, the Bible in its entirety, from front cover to back cover, back cover to front cover, I fall regula fide, rule of faith. And I do that. I read from front to back and back to front. This is how I know that the Holy Spirit has been with it. Not just when Jesus said, okay, I got to go home now and I'm leaving. So I'm going to have God send the Holy Spirit. And when I'm gone, the Holy Spirit will come. Well, Brothers and sisters, that just means that the revelation of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit's been, it's been. 
Do I need to read Genesis 1, 1 and 2 to you again? The earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God was upon the face of the deep. So if you can imagine that all the lights are out, and you're looking around, and then there's this light emission, God, You don't see God, but you know he's there. You can feel he's there. And then you look at the face of the waters and you can see the wave. Not by wind, but there's the movement of the water. The movement of the surface of the water because the spirit of God was upon the face of the deep. The Holy Spirit, just like John talks about Jesus in John 1, 1. So the good news of God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, Paracletos, the Holy Spirit, has been from the beginning. From the beginning. And the apostasy that takes place that Jesus tells us will happen and Paul talks about the great falling away and then the pouring out of the Spirit. See, you have these uh, theological wizards and all these individuals with all this know-how and knowledge that seem to be so much smarter than everyone else. They try to, um, they try to wrangle God's ordination into a specific order that they decided should happen? Well, let me share this with you. Let me enlighten a few of you and enlighten some of you theological wizards. Is it, it doesn't work that way because you decide that it has to be done in a certain order and that it will be in a certain order. It doesn't say that. Nowhere in the Bible does it specifically say that, okay, the apostasy is going to happen at this time and that this technological advance is going to be at this time. So then those two are going to be relative. You follow what you see and you follow what is read, but there's a pouring out of the spirit that's happening now. And this is what uh, my mentor was talking about is that there's this huge pouring out of people And one of the numbers that, the, that this Lifeway organization has found is that in the midst of all of this is that uh, in, the, in the 1900s that only, uh, what is this they have, uh, they said a roughly, roughly about five and a half percent of people that were just out and about. They weren't attached to any denomination or they weren't any claim to such. And only about five and a half percent could claim that they knew a Christian or they knew a believer. And now you have that number they, they say is increased 
to almost 18 and a half percent that individuals that are out there moving around, oh yeah, I know so-and-so and they're a Christian. Or they talk to me that they know that somebody is related to the church in a way. But things are happening. And that God has an ordination. And that has nothing to do with our thought process and thinking that we have anything to do with that and that we can regulate that. We are in this place at this time because God decided. God wants me here doing this, doing now, and whatever else he has me to do that I am so willing to do for my father. He came and he died for me. So by him saying, I want you to share my truth, I want you to share my knowledge and my wisdom with anybody who will hear it and give them an opportunity because I'd really like you all to come home and, and be home when it's time. I don't want you to be out there running amok and doing all these things. And I love you. I'm your father. You're my children. And I want you to be able to have that opportunity. And he has us right here, right now, this way for a purpose. But what we have to understand also is that we have to be committed to this. And I shared with you, I think it was yesterday, maybe before, and I'll share it again because it's something that is relative and something that's necessary and something that's important. God wants to be able to count on us as true believers, true Christians. We have to be committed. And that being a Christian is a personal relationship with God, a true Christian. And as is shared in Psalm 34, 5, is that when they look upon him, they were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. So we need to do this. We need to be committed to be counted on, not just counted, not just a number. Brothers and sisters, you're in my prayers on my going out, my coming in every day. <laughs>